Well, well, well. Welcome to another episode of Gripped. On this show, we experience radical transparency. Our guest dives into the dark past of substance abuse, being surrounded by crime, and the decisions that ultimately led him to be able to catapult himself out of that circumstance. He is the perfect example of how being gripped can take you from seeing your circumstances as the future that you've been, you've been given and there's nothing you could do about it, and you're pigeonholed to that as a future, versus deciding that instead, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to become the lessons that I've gleaned from my past and use that for new horizons. I was extremely inspired by his story and how it's going to be relevant for the listeners to help you get out of your comfort zone, seek fear, and use your support network to help you overcome that fear. Today, as a result of all of his past, instead of continuing to live that, he is now the founder of a company, Weird as Normal, where they train organizations like um, tech startups banks, Fortune 500 companies, how to work collaboratively, listen openly, and empower each other to do good work. I couldn't be more excited for you to listen into this episode. Please help me welcome Michaud Garneau. Real shit. I'm sure you've seen some shit. I've seen a couple of shits, yes. Yeah, we've seen some shits, and I'm excited to talk about some of that shits. Uh, the way that, if you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. The way that the show starts is the camera's on whoever is speaking at the time. So right now the camera's on me. If you say something, it'll come to you, which is fine. We could do that before we start. But I'll just make sure it's on me. I'll say some random stuff, and then I'll say, this is Gripped. show. welcome to the show. And then we're on. And then you want me to say something? And then, then the show has started. And then we go back and forth as we please. And so I'd prefer if you responded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be the best way to start. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just> like... <laughs> so the camera is now on me. And please respond when it's time to respond. All right. Okay, here we go. This is Gripped. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super stoked to be here. Yeah, very excited. And the first time we met, for those that are hearing about you for the first time, you came into our company, Fix Software, and you facilitated an experience that I couldn't forget. And so I wanted to have you come on the show, talk a little bit about the work you do and how that's inspired me to live a better life and how our listeners can actually live a better life as well. Cool. Thank, yeah, thanks. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm going to read off something from your website to help prompt the beginning of this conversation. This is what you wrote. You wrote, we believe that at the core of empathy, collaboration, creativity, and communication, is a willingness to be uncomfortable. We believe a willingness to be uncomfortable is not some innate bravery, rather a skill that can be de developed through exposure. We provide that exposure in a safe and supportive environment that builds teams equipped to handle the challenges of the future. And I think that's a very inspiring statement. And I did feel a little bit uncomfortable when we did the workshop. And you know, I pride myself on being someone that's getting out of my comfort zone all the time. I did want to read one other quote to see if that connects and, and kind of where you were inspired by this idea and to create these workshops. Um, one of my favorite authors, Tim Ferriss, he wrote that a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. So I'm wondering, can you tell me a little bit about where did this philosophy of getting out of your comfort zone come from and how it's impacted you and uh, the people you teach? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the, um, so growing up, I've always done different things. Like I've 
I, I think I have a rich history of, of trying new things um, and <laughs> of getting into kind of strange situations. And my best friend growing up and I used to always say, everything is weird until it becomes normal. Mm. And we just find ourselves in these situations and be like, what is going on? And then like three months later, we'd be like, oh, oh yeah, this is this normal. We know that that was happening. And then throughout, throughout my life, as I was getting older and learning new and different skills and really sort of like, like I got really into the idea of personal development when I was, I don't know, like 15 or 16. Um, I was around a lot of, um, I had like a, a um, misspent youth, have you? Uh, and struggled with a lot of like drug addiction and stuff like that. And, and one of the ways to get out was uh, finding different interests. And the first kind of way out was I got really into yoga. I got into like just doing tons and tons of yoga when I was, you know, 16, 17. I have like a gigantic ohm symbol on my body from it because it was so, so important to me. Cool. And that, like, that helped me break out of this. And at first it was super weird. And then it was like, oh, yeah, like, sitting around a circle with a bunch of people and, like, chanting. This is just, like, super normal. And then, and then throughout the course of my life, there was, like, a whole bunch of different instances like this that kind of got increasingly more weird. But, but I, I felt more comfortable and could, like feel the expansiveness of it and feel myself like like looking back to how I was you know even now looking back to how I was two years ago I'm like oh holy shit so much has so much has changed mm -hmm. but all of the things that have changed from you know that time I was 16 until now have been a direct result of feeling resistance or like discomfort to something and then taking a step into that and like leaning into it and then being able to move through it and i wanted to be able to share that with other people which um hopefully i'm doing now to an extent yeah and you definitely are and where i want to take this is immediately to value for those that are listening is you've had a lot of experience helping people to take that first step we all experience discomfort. Some of us are stepping outside of it. Some of us aren't. What's the difference between the people that you see that are stepping outside of their comfort zone, they're experiencing growth and expansiveness as you described as a result of that, and for those of us that continue to have doubt, continue to stay inside of our box, our shell, and aren't realizing our true potential? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think like the two key things i mean something that's super important is support like the two main things are support and fear so like i, I guess everything is underwritten by this idea of fear if you do something new there could be change that change could affect you negatively there's fear around that people might not like you you might not be accepted and those are like really real like that that could actually happen you could step out of your comfort zone and the people around you might not support you anymore so i th i think like as crucial to addressing this idea of fear and how you can sort of move through it is also acknowledging the idea of support like if you have a group of people that support you, your family or an intentional family a community that you're a part of, then it becomes so much easier to make those those steps in a positive direction. I see the 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 like major thing that I see versus people like with people who are making big changes and people who are not. Everybody's scared. Everyone's fucking terrified of everything. Like I'm I I'm scared. All often when I'm doing things. And I do things that people would consider scary all the time. It doesn't, that fear doesn't like go away. So, so everybody is sort of like dealing with acting in the face of fear. But the, 
in my opinion, the real catalyst for motion action is having a supportive network of, of people that you know that you know have your back and that are looking out for what's best in you and and want you to sort of take a chance and grow. Can you give me an example of a time in your life where you felt like you were taking a step out of your comfort zone? You knew that it was scary and I totally agree. I'm fucking terrified all the time. Um, especially, you know, if, of what people are going to think of the actions that I'm taking. I try to take them regardless and hope that like you're saying, the people that really get me and the people that really know what my true intentions are and I've communicated those intentions with are going to be the ones that are going to support me. Can you describe maybe a situation or experience you've had where you were stepping out of your comfort zone and you did have someone that was there supporting you and as a result of that, you were able to continue to step out of your comfort zone? I'm not sure if you experienced that when you were starting your business, where it is normal or any other areas of your life. Yeah, I mean, like almost always. Um, like I, I, we could pick a almost like a month, and I could kind of give you an example of something like that. Um, I, I, it, I think so. For example, with my business, what's happened now is that the groundwork has been laid through so many smaller actions that doing something like branching off and starting my own business that is really just based around like my own philosophy, research that I've done and experiences that I've had. Like it's a deeply personal business, mm -hmm. which is horrifying. Like starting a business is scary. Starting a business that is just like based on, on you, like on the face of it, any anything that we do is like me presenting my thoughts to the public. Um, and you, like I'm supported in so many different ways, but the, the, I think the thing that really allowed me to do it is I've, I now have been supported by people for almost a decade in doing different actions. I would say that, so starting my business was super scary. The, um, the thing that was the scariest period of time for me was probably like, oh, what was it now? I don't know, three years ago or so. We'll say like three to five years ago, I really started um, like challenging gender norms and the way that I the way that I presented. Um, so right now, I you know I have a beard. I very much present as a man. Um, but kind of ever since I was a kid, I've had like more feminine traits or like typically like these are for girls. Like I like dancing, talking about my emo whatever, you know, and I would get like all through high school and into adulthood would get like gay bash and stuff like that. Had people really making fun of how I, how I would dress, whatever. Um, and I just kind of pushed it down and bottled it up, thought about it a bit, but things kept boiling up. And I just needed to have the experience of presenting in a way that was not so masculine. Um, and I started, dressing like slightly differently like first thing I got my ears pierced and then sort of like increasingly I would you know only have a shaved face like straight straight down to my skin and then started wearing makeup dressing more feminine and then just like fully presenting in a feminine and non um, gender conforming sort of way and that's, that was fucking terrifying. And the support, I had so much support from my roommate at the time, who's this like incredible man. And then my whole community of friends were so supportive. I worked, I was working at my friend's cafe at the time, which was like a very queer space. And there was so much support there. And even though, like, 
I had all of that support and I knew I had all that support to like, and I, I had gone out in drag and stuff, like in, like, get drunk, go out at night, whatever, you're in drag, sort of like protect it, protect it, right? Like it's mm. kind of acceptable, but the act of waking up in the morning and like putting on makeup and earrings and heels and heading out like to walk down Bloor Street and go to work was so fucking scary. Like, such a, so scary. Um, and I could do it because I felt safe doing it because I knew that I had the support primarily of like Elliot and then of my greater community around me. I really appreciate the the vulnerability in you sharing. Um, I'd love to, to dive a little bit deeper into this because the, the theme of the podcast is about people who are gripped and engaged in the work that they're doing and that impact that it has on their mental health and having a purpose, having a direction, what that means for, for their lives and, and how they show up. And so at this time, when you're, what you're describing, was that, was that like late high school or was that after you graduated already? No, at this time when I was presenting feminine. Yes. That was like years later. Four years ago, yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, okay, so got that's it. Like well into my adulthood, um, that I that I was that I was fully presenting that way. Yeah. Okay, I, I do want to take a step even further back, and then we can kind of see how you progressed to that point. You had mentioned some, you know, very briefly a little bit about your childhood, um, some of the experiences you had when you were early in high school. And I do want to touch on that because, again, the theme of the show is about mental health, and I want to read a quote by Jim Rohn. He's one of my favorite authors and personal development speakers. My roommate and I listen to him all the time. And one of the quotes that I have up on my wall in my room is that success is as simple as a few simple disciplines practice every single day. And he also says that failure is the opposite, which is a few simple errors in judgment practice every single day. So you mentioned being in high school and being experiencing some, some challenging times. Uh, in fact, you wrote that you were only able to get out, and this is great, the, the connection earlier, you were only able to get out because of the support of your family. And that really made you think a lot about, you know, the privilege that you've had, and you were only a couple bad decisions away from ruin. So I'm wondering if you could, for, the, for those that are listening here, can you tell us a little bit about the, the challenges you experienced, only so that we can come from a place of what maybe you could have done differently, or even what, it was, what was the catalyst for you to get out of that area of your life? Sure, yeah. So, um, in high school, like starting in grade nine or so, um, I guess I've always felt like a little bit of an outcast. Um, I wasn't quite sure where I belonged. Um, and I've also never liked authority. Mm -hmm. um, which are perhaps uh, important uh, pieces. Um, but I, in high school, I got really into doing drugs, like got connected with a community, a community. <laughs> it, is a, it is a community, yep. <laughs> it's an inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, when I was in high school, I started like smoking weed in grade nine and hanging out with all the druggy kids who were like the cool kids. And for me, that felt really great to be one of the cool kids. Um, and as I kept doing that, I had some other influences outside of school who would introduce me to other drugs. I was like, so I was selling weed and then got introduced to cocaine in like grade nine as well and then started selling that and kind of all, all through high school, I was selling and using drugs super heavily. Um, the cocaine got to the point where like, I would be doing it in the bathroom at like 7 a.m. at my house before leaving to catch the bus to school, be like 
leaving in the middle of class to go and do it at lunch. And I was doing it by myself. Like my other friends, at least for the first couple of years, didn't know that I was doing it. Uh, and these were other kids. These were other kids who were also like drug dealers. Like, mm-hmm. um, um, they were part of that community. Yeah, they were part of the community. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, eventually, every uh, other people caught up, uh, and then we were all all doing it. And you know, there would be times where I'd be like sitting in somebody's basement their parents are home we're like 16 sitting in somebody's basement with like four dudes wearing a Nietzsche track suits (laughs) (laughs) watching belly do you know that um and like blasting these huge lines of coke and making sure that nobody would talk at all like we were we got like so paranoid but would just keep doing so much so much coke and i was like why the fuck are we doing it like what are we doing what's even the point here um so anyway like that kind of digressed and got like, you know, after you do it for a while, you end up in a pretty bad state. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really, like, down on myself. I was, I, I gained a ton of weight, which is kind of weird to do on coke, but I was, like, close to 200 pounds. Um, sad. And then as, like, high school ended, all of my friends who were, like, the cool kids started you know going to jail going to rehab there'd be like fights where people have guns people would show up at parties someone showed up at a fucking party with a chainsaw um and just like this really rapid decline and people were dying people were dying in like car accidents um also within that time, my best friend growing up started using crack and I saw him in his state just like disintegrate um, at like a rapid pace. So it, I mean, that's like, a, that's a whole other story too. Um, yeah, I grew up in a small town that was predominantly white. He was the only black kid in town. He was subject to racism, blatant, blatant racism constantly, um, both through like our peers and then also systemically. Um, he and I did the same things. We both sold drugs. We both smoked weed. We like we did everything. But yeah. he, he had a criminal record miles long, and I didn't have one. And it's not because we both were breaking the law we would get pulled over and they'd go to his side of the car and search him and not search me and um so he was like destined for failure and you know i guess going back to the support like like i had i had support built into the system you know like i'm a straightish white man like I, I, I had support even from people who didn't know that they were supporting me and he did not, he had the opposite. People were trying to send him to jail to get him into trouble. Um, so yeah, he like digressed really quickly into using, um, using crack really regularly. And then a lot of other people that I was around started doing that as well. Um, and at the same time, I'd still be, I would still be going out until like 7 a.m. I'd be like walking home as my dad would be leaving for work. Um, and they just, I don't know, kind of pretended like they didn't know what was happening for a bit. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't, kind of eventually 
things came to a head, like everything was digressing so quickly with my friends. And one morning, I got home super late, ran past my dad. Not like ran, but ran into him. Um, and then the following morning, my parents had left me a note that said something to the extent of like, Misho, we just want you to know that we love you. And we think something's not okay with you right now. And if you want to talk about it, we're here. And for me, just, just seeing that was enough to, for me to be like, okay, now's, now is when I'm going to change now. Now is when I can change because just like seeing that unconditional love and support from these people being like, hey, something's not okay, we want to support you. Just like shook me out of everything. And then from there, I was able to make to make a lot of headway, actually, and, and you know, kind of move on from there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it sounds like they opened a door for you to be able to step step through, and they were yeah. just just by being there. That's it. Like they didn't. They weren't trying that. to solve the problem. That's it. They were not trying to solve the problem. They were not. They were like, "Here's." Well, you know, we think something's not okay. We love you. We, if you want to, we can talk about it. And we never even talked about it. I wasn't comfortable to talk about it. Um, but, but it was enough to help you make the decision. Yeah, I don't even know if I told them that I read the note, you know? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it was enough. It was like, it was, it was enough. I think if you, like, the fucked up thing, if you use drugs or if you do anything that's sort of like counter culture or not counter culture, but like, that's not widely accepted is that after you've done it, society kind of writes you off. You know, like if you've gone to jail, society is like, oh no, you've gone to jail. And then it's so much harder to reintegrate. And yeah. so, like the experience that I was having was that in this small town, everybody knew that I was like a really heavy drug user, drug dealer, whatever. And then I was like, how am I ever going to get out of this? And then just having that support from my parents made, made me able to sort of see that other people could support and see it in that way as well. Yeah. Thank you for the, again, I appreciate it. I've mentioned it before, but thanks for the vulnerability. Like we're, we're getting into topics that could be considered, uh, you know, risque right now. And while they can be, there's a lot of people that are going through these exact same circumstances. And the purpose of having this conversation is that there's light at the end of the tunnel. You can take a step through that door, whether someone's there to support you or not, because the reality is that there's always someone there to support you. Even if you want to reach out to Michelle or I, we're there to support you. And ultimately, we're not defined by our past. We're the resources and lessons that we've been able to glean from our pasts. So I'm sure you'd agree that you wouldn't be half the person you are today if you didn't go through those experiences. Because now, as you go and do your training, it's part of, part of who you are. It's part of the, the, the benefit and the value that you can bring. So I appreciate you sharing the stories. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is if, if you could go back and kind of give that you know, give that young lad some advice if you were to have an opportunity to do that kind of DeLorean style roll up and like open up the door and, and say, hey, dude, what's up? And then give him some advice. Do you have anything that you'd share? Um, yeah, I, I, I think like, I was really scared then. Yeah, I was really scared as a teenager. Um, and I thought I would never, ever have somewhere that I would fit in. And I think I would let that, that person know that there are going to be places that 
feel like home, that you're going to be able to find a group of people around whom you can be wholly yourself because that whole time, you know, even up until a few years ago, I, I would hide bits of myself so that it would fit in mm-hmm. and then never feel comfortable. You need to look, but you don't need to do that because there, for every person, there's a group of people who, who you can be yourself around. Yeah, one of my friends, he's he's building a large brand called Archangel, and he's building it around the idea of like the the troublemakers, the rebels, the people that didn't fit in. Uh, there's a lot of people that feel that way. I know. I have friends in, in the gay and queer community who feel that way. And so I'm wondering if you were to speak to, to those individuals, you mentioned your, your past and that experience a couple, a few years ago at this point where you were really taking steps to be yourself and to portray yourself, how you were actually feeling rather than hiding. What would, what would you be able to share? Is there anything uh, uh, on top of having a great support network that you'd be able to share for those people that was beneficial for you at that time? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I would, I think is important to share is make sure that you're physically safe. Like, for people in certain communities, there's a real risk of physical, of physical harm. Um, if you be your, like, true self. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want people to ensure that they're safe. Um, and... I mean, like, for me, the biggest thing was going to a city center, like, going to a metropolis. Like, if you live in a small town and you feel isolated, at least now there's the internet, so find, like, a group of people online. Please, they exist. If if you feel like you don't belong somewhere, type in some things that you believe and you will find a group of people. Uh, and then beyond that, try to get to try to get to a more populated area because the chance of meeting people who are more like you is, is higher. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing it in small places is really difficult. And so don't, I know, you know, there's a lot of like inspirational quotes out there that tell you to just like, do whatever, you can be anyone you want. I think it's important to acknowledge that sometimes there's real risk and, and to, to actually be aware of that. Okay. And from kind of this position of, you know, being yourself, uh, finding communities that are both help you feel that, that belonging, that sense of belonging, but also, or maybe a little bit more positive, some of the other communities that you had been part of in the past, um, the one thing that I'm really aware of is that you could have easily gone down the same path as a lot of your friends did where you ended up in jail or, or, you know, your circumstances continued to deteriorate, but it didn't. And so we had that decision where your parents left that note from that position, from that place, where did you go? Because again, the point of this podcast is ripped. So you must have been gripped by something. You must have decided that you wanted to take a different path and kind of what did that look like? And for those of us that are, that are thinking about maybe we want to take a new path, we want to dig a little bit deeper into the path that we're already going down to increase the engagement we're experiencing, increase the passion, increase our energy. What was that for you and, and how can we start to do that in our lives? Yeah, totally. So for me, the thing that, that gripped me then was doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, it was this like switch where I'm still like the, the thing to me that brought a lot of value about yoga was it, it, it had a spiritual component, which was very important, extremely important for me at the time to have something to believe in and that I could connect to is a physical component, which makes you feel good. Um, and then there was like a sort of broader community that I could tie into. Um, so, and I, I just like became, I just became obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the same, the same thing that's in me that got me 
kind of like obsessed with the drugs was the same thing that got me into yoga like i've heard some stuff that talks about like an addict is an addict it just it doesn't matter what they're what they're going after mm-hmm. and so like i don't know if i just replaced an unhealthy addiction with a healthy addiction and then for me throughout my life i've i've you know when yoga i did yoga for a few years and then i, I kind of lost interest in it like got to a point that I considered really good and then I got really interested in theater and art and like immersive art and and then it was like falls to the wall in that just like dove into it did it as much as I possibly could did like some performances at the art gallery of Ontario traveled all around North America doing different shows and stuff and I was like okay cool nailed that and I and then I wanted to be a triathlete so I was like fuck it I'm gonna obsess over this so like taught myself how to swim was like very cool know how to swim then started going to the pool five days a week like crushing it out ended up like placing extremely well a year later doing a triathlon and then and then now it's like the business stuff where i'm like yo fuck yeah i want i want to take all of this stuff like like the through line with all of that is like yeah like learning new things helps you feel better like if I think of my base state now and my base state before it's like I used to be really self-destructive and sad and then now my base state is like if I get to that point it'll be like maybe I'll go eat some ice cream or like have have a triple cheeseburger like um it's it's just it's it's not like hey i'm gonna go smoke crack until seven in the morning it's like i'll supersize it yeah okay let's do this um (laughs) and i think like to answer your question of like how can you help how can that help other people um i i think if you I, i just think it all goes back to fear like Everybody has things, you have to have something that you're interested in. There has to be like a glint of something that you find interesting. And it might be, this is for people at like a far end of the spectrum. You, you might not think that you have any interests. And I think that you probably do. They're just like under a million layers of fear and rules that tell you that you're not allowed to do things for yourself. So to get to the point where you can sort of have this thing that, 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 grip, that grabs you and lets you to go take your own path, taking your own path is, is an act of, of freedom. Like you're, you're, you're driving your own path and you can't do that if you're bogged down by fear. And being bogged down by fear is a real thing. It's not the individual's fault. Um, but in order, in order to find that thing and to start moving through it, you need to break away these layers of, of fear that you have that prevent you from, from having your own actual experience of the world instead of having an experience that other people tell you to have. And so my advice would be to, to really, really try to draw your attention inside and notice when you're out in just like your regular day, if there's something that makes you feel like sort of uncomfortable or you notice yourself acting a certain way, to challenge yourself to act in a different way. Like if you notice, say you're in line, you have the inclination to ask the person in front of you a question and you don't because be like, oh shit, I wanted to ask that person something. I didn't because I'm fearful. Take a big breath in, exhale, and then ask the person the thing, assuming it's, it's nothing like detrimental to the other person. Yeah. Um, and, and continue to do that. Continue to take those, what seems like a tiny little step to break down whatever it is that's holding you back. And you do that for long enough, you're gonna open yourself up. You're gonna find out what actually interests you and you're gonna start redefining how you approach your own life and be able 
to then actually be gripped by something and make your own choices, but you need to serve it as well. That was extremely insightful. I really appreciate that. I want to, before the last question, I want to ask you a little bit about listening because I'm constantly thinking about whether or not I'm actually listening to somebody or not, not necessarily on this, this show, you know, it was, it was very easy to listen to you because you speak very eloquently and I, I think you're a great conversationalist. Uh, but I have had people in the past where I thought I was a great listener and it was even like just like three weeks ago I was in Montreal with a friend I spent the all morning with them uh, we were having great conversation all day long and then at one point they you know she she turned to me and she said like you just you just don't listen and I thought about it because I had thought I was this great listener and, and I said can you can you tell me a little bit more about that and she just said like, yeah you're just waiting for the next time that you can open your mouth and start talking rather than actually hearing what I'm saying. And so I know a big part of your weird is normal workshops has to do with listening. So before we ask the last question, I was hoping you could share a little bit about listening, how we can improve it, why it's so important. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, totally. Um, so first of all, that's really great that that person called you out. Like I bet, I bet you're going to do like think about it a lot and then based on what I know about you, you're, you're gonna try to get better at it, right? Like, as much as it sucks to be told that you're wrong at something, it's actually like a real learning opportunity. And so even, even just that that got this question, and then maybe this will give you some tips, you know? Um, so one of the things that can happen, so basically what happened there was that she didn't feel hurt. That it, it doesn't mean that you're a good or, or a bad listener. It, it has nothing to do, really, with you. It's her experience of the situation, which was that she didn't feel hurt. So then your job, more so than being a good listener, is being good at conveying to people that you've heard what they said. Does that, make, does that distinction make sense? Yeah, that does. Okay. Um, just, so, to clarify, just to clarify... Instead of it, instead of me actually needing to be a good listener, even though that's that's the goal, being a good listener would mean that I'm communicating to them that I'm hearing them. Yes. Yes. Being a good listener would be you communicating to them that you have heard and understood what they what they're saying. Okay. So, one of the like an exercise that I get people to do is to repeat back to some, and this is like a classic active listening exercise, but you repeat back to the person what, what you heard, but more like what you understood. So somebody says something and they're like, and then you repeat back to them, okay, so this is what I'm hearing. And then that sort of lets people know that you're listening well, if, if, if they're like, yes, that's what I said. And then if immediately on top of that, you had your own take, this person isn't gonna feel hurt. I feel like that might've been the situation where it's like, they say something, you're listening well, and then you say something on it, thinking that you're building and creating a conversation. And then this person just feels like you wanna put forth your idea instead of like, acknowledging theirs, mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, so a good way of, of like moving through that is like what you said when they told you that you, that you weren't a good listener, you said, tell me more. So that's something that you can say after somebody says something to you. They say something and then you're like, uh, this is what I'm understanding, tell me more. Or tell me more about that. Or just like, you like, like nodding your head and being like, oh, okay, I hear you. To me, the thing that seems to happen the most with this, with the, with like, specifically with people feeling like they're not heard is when there's the, 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 part of the conversation that comes after whatever they say goes in a direction that they weren't intending to go with what they said. Okay. 
even if it's attached. I've definitely had that experience. I remember another time where a friend was in the city and we were going for like a long walk along the lake shore. And a few times they had said something to me where it reminded me of like, as an example, like a book that I had read. And so like, I would like take the quote that I heard and be like, this is what he said. And then I was trying to take it somewhere else because of that, instead of going with their conversation. Cause I thought, you know, I'm so insightful. I've got this great idea from this book that I read. Like, let me share that. Maybe it'll add value to their life instead of, instead of letting the conversation go naturally. It's challenging. Cause like, I have to like bookmark that and tell myself that it's not really needed right now. Maybe if they're open to the suggestion later, I can bring it up. But right now I should, I should hear them out. Mm -hmm. Hard. Yeah. So even noticing within yourself, you're like, Oh, did I switch to this being about me? Is it good? Be like, am I interested in where they are? Or do I think I have something interesting to add? And there's, there's different times for both of those. Um, but the, 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 the more you can facilitate somebody else feeling heard, the, the better the relationships you can build, in my experience. Yeah. It sounds also, like... Go ahead. Uh, also, in my experience, you often end up talking a lot less. Like, I have some relationships where I just kind of, like, listen to the person or, like, where where we'll have turns, you know, like one time we'll hang out and it's them talking and cool. me listening and switches and other people where it's like all just going at the same time. It's, it's very different. So it's like an individual approach. Um, but yeah, erring on the side of, of listening. It's yeah. I like that. It's erring on the side of being interested versus trying to be interesting that there is a balance like you're saying because I've been on dates before where like at the end of the date the person will say to me like I don't know anything about you because all I did was ask questions the whole time and ask them to elaborate on them and then ask them another question based off that and then I'm just like I'm like uh, I'm genuinely interested in the person and then they come out feeling like they don't know me right and then you get a second date (laughs) (laughs) foot in the door (laughs) yeah right thank you (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. First try to be understanding then before you're trying to be understood. And it's the same principle for listening. Yeah. Cool. And the same idea with like business, you know, you want to give people something first before you're asking for something. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hey, I really appreciate you jumping on the show today. This has been super fun. Uh, and I, and I really appreciate the the candor and your communication. I think it's gonna be valuable for a lot of people, especially those people that, um, are thinking about making a direction in their life or they feel like their circumstances. I've had some conversations recently with people in my life where they feel like their circumstances is really going to be a big factor and dictate the next steps for them. And I said, you know, it's, it's an indication of where you're starting, not an indication of where you're going. And so I really appreciate that candor. I do want to finish off with my favorite question, which is you can share absolutely anything from your heart, whatever's speaking to your soul right now. If it's a book recommendation, a quote you love, anything from the work you do at Weird is Normal. I know I get to control and shape the conversation. So this one's totally yours. Uh, you can do whatever with it, whatever you'd like. Cool. Um... You know, I feel like there's somebody telling me that I should just really, really pitch my business. (laughs) (laughs) Which you can. Um, can, Yeah, business is called Weird is Normal. Uh, I do communication uh, training for organizations. Find me on LinkedIn. Um, (laughs) But what I want to talk about is just like, so I'm in a relationship right now, and my partner has some mental health. Uh, challenges that they're facing um, and it's been really fucking interesting for me um, I didn't know so um, yeah I'm just gonna stumble through this because it's not fully formed as like a statement um, I didn't know that they're that they were struggling with their mental health as much as they were I did see a series of behaviors that I identified as, I'm going to say lazy, um, 
and I, and I cast like a negative judgment on it. Okay. And I was like, I don't like, I don't know if I can keep doing this because of this is how you act X, Y, and Z. And that kind of went on for like a, a while where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't understand. You're not motivated. You're not doing anything. Like pick yourself up by the bootstraps and go for it. Like what's going on here. Um, and then kind of simultaneously, we had a bit of, I mean, we had a fight and it was mentioned that it was, that they had gone through a lot of trauma and that their behaviors were being informed by trauma. Well, at the same, like the day before or something, I had met up with a friend of mine whose mother has gone through a lot of trauma in her life. And we were both kind of talking about the behaviors of me talking about my partner, her talking about her mom, and that they were like extremely similar, like, like almost to a T. Like they, they acted almost in the exact same way that drove us both insane. Okay. Um, and then after talking to her and hearing the trauma thing, I was like, huh, turns out this thing that's really upsetting me isn't my partner at all. It's trauma being manifest inside of them. They, and, and so immediately my mind shifted from negative judgments, like you can't be this way, to like, how can I, how can I support you? How can I seek to, like, now I want to understand you more. Now I want to support you. Now I want to help you move forward. And our relationship has fundamentally changed on that. I have such a deeper understanding. We're both like, in such a better place and that all came that all came from understanding more and i guess the big takeaway that i would say is like that that could have been avoided if i had communicated better and been like hey i'm noticing these behaviors can you can we talk about it a little bit or do you feel this way or hey, this is what I'm seeing. Do you see that too? Or a quick um, post-it note. What's that? Or a quick post-it note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and just let, the, yeah, like let the person know that you care about them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like if you have people in your life that you love and you notice them acting in ways that don't seem super healthy, have a conversation with them and just let them know that you care about them and you want what's best for them. Seek to understand before judging. Perfect way to end the show. Really appreciate that. I've got a lot of people in my community that are part of the mental health space and our big philosophy right now and the mandate that we're sharing and advocating for is to be there. Be there for your peers. I could hear a lot of that in your story today about support and the impact that that's had on you. And so huge, huge shout out for you coming on here uh, with your candor. You're very thoughtful. I can tell you genuinely care about people. And I really appreciate you being you and showing up as you because you're making a difference. Uh, you made a difference here at Fix. You made a difference in my life. And, and I think you're going to make a difference in the listeners' lives as well. So Michelle, thanks for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Take care. Hey, see ya.